Hey folks, welcome to the House of Krause. I'm Richard Krause. We have kind of an eclectic show for you this week. Jennifer Nelson and Alessandro Carloni probably know more about pandas than everybody outside of China or maybe the Toronto Zoo where they've got a couple of very attractive pandas that they're trying to mate and make little baby pandas. They are two of the people responsible for Kung Fu Panda. Numbers one, two, and three. They've worked on all of them. For about a decade, they have given themselves over to working on the story of Poe and his legendary adventures of awesomeness. For a while, Jennifer, who directed the second one, was actually the highest grossing female director of all time. That's changed a little bit since Kung Fu Panda 2 came out, but they're back co-directing Kung Fu Panda 3. We'll get to them in just a little while. First up, I want to talk to Paul Giamatti. Now, these days, everybody's talking about billions. Paul Giamatti plays an attorney general with kind of a kinky side who is very interested in bringing down a billionaire played by Damian Lewis. Now, this is a show that's kind of melodramatic, a little bit soap opera, but it has gotten people's attention. I'm going back into the vaults a little bit. I'm going back to when Paul Giamatti co-starred with Dustin Hoffman and Rosamund Peake in a movie called Barney's Version. It's about 2010 this interview dates from. And we talk about working with Dustin Hoffman. We talk about his process of putting characters together. And we also talk about the most famous line that has ever slipped through Paul Giamatti's lips. Stay through to the end of the interview and you'll find out what it is. You didn't understand or realize, I guess, how iconic a book in Canada that is. Uh, Tell me a little bit about the realization, maybe, when you (laughs) finally understood that this is a book that's very near and dear to all of Canada, and did that put any pressure on you? It was a gradual realization. I don't think I had any moment where it actually hit me. And in a funny way, it's almost hitting me more now that I'm here and everybody's saying to me, wow, this is really iconic. I had to do some sort of EPK interview for uh, in Rome, and it was with Canadian television, and somebody said to me, you know, wow, you must be really nervous, because this is, and I thought, Jesus Christ, I wasn't until now. And, uh, but yeah, and it did feel like a funny pressure. I gave myself a break, but I definitely, I think it was mostly feeling like I'm an American guy and I don't want to screw up something precious the Canadians. Well, you know, the the thing is, I I can't imagine anyone else playing the part now. So I guess that's, you know, that that speaks to the the success of the film. Good. That's great. That's really good. Although I have that part of me that goes, oh, I don't want everybody now to, when they read the book, to only see me. You know what I mean? There's that thing of like, oh, I hope people can still see what they want to see in the book, too, and separate the two sometimes. Well, I think that, you know, books and, and movies can stay separate. I, I think it was Raymond Chandler. Uh-huh. And this is, this uh, don't take this the wrong way, out yeah. of context, but somebody said, you know, how do you feel about Hollywood ruining all your books? And he yeah. said, well, they're not ruined. The books are still here. Right. They're fine. That is Raymond Chandler, yeah. I yeah. think. Yeah. yeah, no, then that's great. That's actually really cool. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But that's a great attitude to have, and hopefully they do exist as two different beasts. Yeah. 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 Um, tell me a little bit about working with Dustin Hoffman. Uh, you guys in the film seemed, did you know him beforehand, I guess? And because in the film, there's such an easy kind of way that you have with him. I was, I was really, I really loved watching you two on screen together. Cool. Tell me a little bit about working with him. I did know him a little bit before. I, had to, I did a movie called Confidence. Mm-hmm. 
I don't, must have been about 10 years ago, which is a kind of, okay, sort of thriller. And he's really great, and he plays a bad guy in it. But I didn't have anything to, I didn't act with him. But I got to sort of hang out with him at press junkets and right, stuff like right, that. Right. And I really liked him. He's a really smart, very funny guy. And so the opportunity came up again with this, and I think they were thinking about him from the beginning to play uh, Izzy. Like, I, you know, he's a really uh, fun guy. And I, I feel like, there may have been some sense of, you know, I mean, he's a better actor than I'm ever going to be, but there was some sort of nice sense of, you know, he was like, I was a funny-looking character actor, too, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I got a chance to do these great roles, and hey, this is, you know, we're two funny-looking character actors who, are, who did all right for themselves, you know? So there was a bit of that, which was nice, you know? and uh, But he, working with him... He's he, he he he's very funny, and I think he's constantly keeping the energy up. But he can totally sort of deconstruct a scene while you're doing it with him um, in a great way. And and like I say, he's a much more powerful actor and artist than I am. So I just would follow him doing this stuff. And some of the stuff he did, I would really like to try and employ as an actor more on film because it was. I've always heard about this stuff from a kind of old actor's studio point of view. It really makes sense, actually. Well, there's repetition of things in the Meisner technique where you repeat things. and A lot of what it seemed to be was almost rehearsing on camera. was saying, screw it, I'm just going to work this out and figure it out on camera because you may catch things as I'm figuring it out on camera, whereas I'm going to go off camera and hide and think things through and then come back, and it's, it's much more capturing something spontaneous and organic and suddenly grounded, and so it's a, it's a, it's a riskier way of doing things, you know, but it, it pays off, I think, better. Well, I think, and, and I'll just mention one more thing about him, then we'll talk about Barney's version, yeah. but I think in, in recent years... I've seen a much different kind of performance from him. And I yeah. think it's that he's, as he's gotten older, he's just kind of let it go a little well, bit Well, that's more. interesting because he would say, I mean, he, he was telling me about a lot of this. How, And he, he said, I got a lot of this stuff from working with De Niro in, is it not Clockers? What the hell's the name of that movie? Sleepers. Sleepers yeah. yeah, and he said, I was standing there and De Niro would just start repeating. And I thought, this is hilarious. Dustin Hoffman <laughs> learned something from De Niro. De Niro did something that threw Dustin Hoffman. I was like, wow. And he said, also, De Niro would start saying the lines again and doing the stuff again. So, and that's what's actually really kind of great about him, too, is that he's 72 years old, and he's still eager to find out how to do this right. right. It's really cool. So I think you're right. I think maybe it has changed him a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you call yourself a character actor. You're very much the leading man in this film. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. I guess so. I get to bang around. That makes me a leading man. I think that's what constitutes a leading man. Yeah, but I always think of these as sort of character leads or something. There's a difference between that real kind of Hollywood lead thing. I don't know if I've ever done something like that or ever will. Well, I don't think I don't see this as a Hollywood movie though. I mean, That's obviously it's a Canadian, you know, very much yeah, a Canadian yeah, but film, but I don't see it as a Hollywood film. No, it's not that kind of movie. Yeah. And it's definitely a sort of good great character part. Well, yeah, and and I felt that the progression, Barney's progression from being this uh, you know, hotshot television producer with the impulsive and, you know, all the things that he is as he slowly starts to succumb to Alzheimer's mm -hmm. um, was presented in a way in this movie that we're not likely to see in a film that was perhaps made 
in Hollywood. Yeah, no, that's definitely you true. Know, it felt more real to me, and it felt... And there's a couple of scenes, particularly near the end, that are, are I think, underplayed in the best way and yeah. just beautiful to watch in a way that, that doesn't try and manipulate you into feeling a certain that's way. That's good. It doesn't feel schmaltzy or yeah. anything like that or maudlin. And no, it is. And that was a real testament to the, the script. It was very undemonstrative, all that stuff. Um, but, you know, it's also, too, it's it's dark actually it allows itself to be kind of dark in a way without without yeah it, it lets itself be that way and well, you're right i don't think a hollywood movie would have allowed this movie to go where it goes well it's a great love story yeah but it is it's a love story it's a warts and all yeah, kind totally, of love story. absolutely no he's a horrible human being in a lot of ways but it absolutely is warts and all yeah horrible human being and yet you keep him compelling and you you keep making us want to watch him. How do you find that balance, or or can you can you articulate how? I that? don't know that I could articulate. I think it's luck if I if that happens. But I would again attribute it to the script. Yeah, I really would. The script had it all there. Right. Does it all on, on all of your projects and and you know Barney's included? Does it begin and end with the script? I mean, it, it is the, the words that are on the script, do you, or do you have to go back and create a backstory for your character? Do you go and create? You know, do you think beyond the script? It depends. Yeah. yeah, it depends on on what it is. This, there is a whole backstory. You know, there's the novel, which I did right. go back to sometimes. The novel's a bit different, though. It right? is. It's yeah. very different. Yeah. So I didn't want to get too hung up on it. Yeah. But there were times when I would look at a scene. I can't think of any specific instances where I'd look at a scene. And I'd say, I wonder what this was like in the right. book, and I would sort of trace it through the book sometimes, and just to sort of fill it out. Uh, it depends on the on the thing. There's some things, but again, I sometimes I want to get too hung up and going that way because I I can get off track, and a lot of the time I still feel like it's just what's there needs to happen, right. and hopefully it will be grounded. And there's probably a lot of unconscious work that goes on in that way. Do you feel uh, that as an actor, if you overthink? That you're you're not doing yourself any favors. Oh, absolutely, and it's one of the biggest problems I have as a person. It's one of the reasons I like acting is I tend to not overthink. It's the one place in my life where I feel like I didn't overthink too much or don't overthink too much. I still have a problem with overthinking things and overworking things. I'd love to be able to just finally fucking not yeah. do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, it's really hard, but I guess that's what keeps me doing it. And again, it's why it's great watching Dustin Hoffman and seeing a guy who has been able to free up and free up and free up. Yeah. And I hope I can be able to do that in my life. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and inspiring as well to see this guy who's still out there changing it up at 73 or 4 or whatever. Totally. And also willing to just go, I don't need to be the lead guy. Right. And the thing is pretty impressive. For and making like movies that. like Perfume. Right. And, and weird yeah, things. Yeah. But he's got a great weird imagination. And he's and I've always loved that about him I always Papillon is one of my favorite things in the world and it's such a funny odd grotesque weird it's got, he's got a great imagination yeah, yeah. yeah. so um, we're I think that's our time okay. I just have to I have to tell you uh, uh, the, I will not drink any fucking Merlot you've yeah. heard this over and over my favorite line of like, the, the 2000s it's a very so funny, it's a funny, it's a it's a funny, funny line, line man. And, and it comes up so often in my life not you know I, for a lot I'm of not people that seems things, but it just it for so often in situations that line seems, seems completely appropriate, appropriate you know so. well, the funniest thing about that line is that the only reason it's Merlot is we tried all these different wines and that was the only one that was funny was the word Merlot <laughs> so everybody was like yeah he didn't pick it for any except it just 
sounded funnier than any of the other ones. That's funny, right? Well, that? comics, I dated a comic for years, it's and she all... always used to tell me, like, it's all about the sound of the totally. word, right? That's... So anything with a K in it, apparently funny. Any... For some reason, that was funnier than, like, Chardonnay or something. It was just funnier. <laughs> so. That was Paul Giamatti. Now, if you ever have the chance to meet Paul Giamatti, don't offer him a glass of Merlot, and not just because of that line, but because he told me in another interview I did with him, he's more of a Schlitz guy. He's more of a beer guy. So, sideways notwithstanding, he doesn't know that much about fine wines. Jennifer Nelson and Alessandro Carloni are the people who have brought you the adventures of Poe time after time after time. Kung Fu Panda's in the movie theaters right now. I liked this movie and I like talking to them. Here's Jennifer Nelson and Alessandro Carloni. I didn't know this until after we spoke yesterday, but you are the director of the highest grossing movie ever made by a, a, a woman. The, am I still? Is that still a fact? I guess. I think it is. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I think just after you, like a few years after you, there was Dark Zero, zero Dark Thirty. Zero Dark Thirty, but that, I don't think that made $600 no, million. I think the, oh, no, you're right, worldwide. No, I think you still yeah. have number one. I think worldwide, it's still, sure. still up there. And <laughs> so how do, how do you feel about that? I, it, it, it kind of blew my mind. It, it is it, kind of wild, yeah. isn't it? I mean, I think it's a testament to how much people like and like these films. I think that there's such a huge fan base, it's really flattering to have been basically helming something that huge. Yeah. It's very flattering. And I think it would be fair to assume that this will be the highest grossing movie directed by a Korean woman and an Italian man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, it's a narrow field. Yeah, you know. People don't need to know that. <laughs> um, why is it, we talked about this a little bit last time, we covered some of the same ground, why is it that people like Poe so much? Because honestly, that audience last night, the first time they saw him, they're like, oh, the people turn into kids again. Yeah. I think one of the things about Poe, apart from the fact that you know, we love how enthusiastic and geeky and, and how much passion he has in things, but one thing that I've heard someone say is that often there are movies where the side characters steal the show because they're the most fun, while this, the central character is the, the, the straight, the straight man, guy, as they yeah. call but basically, we made a movie around a goofball, which would be probably and a sidekick. everybody else is a straight guy, right. yeah. <laughs> and so he is the one that, you know, steals the show. If Poe is on the screen, you will love him. And so people can't get enough of that. And then, of course, there's a relatability aspect to me. Yeah. He, yeah, people do relate to him, right? They yeah. do. And he has got so much enthusiasm, and he's basically wishing for something that is bigger than him. Something that he is not able to achieve. And, and yet he still perseveres. That's why we root for him, because we've been there, everyone's been there, where there's something that you wish you could do and you didn't have the means to do it. And yet he still keeps going. And, and yet he wins. Still doing and you it. just gotta, you gotta root for that. <laughs> and it, it, to make sure that he stays on track over the course of three films, because he has to change a little bit. I mean, you can't just bit. present the, the same character over and over again, right. but you don't want to change him too much. You, didn't, you know. So tell me a little bit about finding, I guess, the balance of this character to keep it fresh, but to give people what they want. I think it's a little bit what Shifu said at the beginning of the film, that if you only do what you can do, you'll never be more than you are now. That note, by the way, was the line I wrote down as I was making my notes in yeah. the film. I was like, that is, that, uh, like, that is good life message. advice. That's, that's not just a great life message. And that's what Poe goes through. Yes, he has become the dragon warrior after the first film, but then what? Yes, you, you, like, you keep growing. You go from kindergarten, elementary school, junior high school, high school, job, or college, job, yeah. parenthood, all this stuff. And once you surmount something, you're there. 
it's not over. So in Poe's case, his personality doesn't change, who he is doesn't change, his obstacles, his challenges keep changing, and he has to keep growing stronger and better and better better and learning more and pushing himself outside his comfort zone every single time, because having achieved something doesn't help you to achieve the next thing. So So is is it important then, or what's more important, that he makes people laugh Mm -hmm. or that they have a message that people find inspirational? I think it's a perfect balance of the two, isn't it? I, I mean, I think that is actually what's really hard about making these movies. Because the moment you lean toward one side, it becomes pedantic. Right. The moment you lean toward the other one, it becomes vacuous. And people could have a laugh, but they don't care. Right. And, and, and that balance, you know, we've been saying how, you know, I hope we do a good job with that, but we also rely a lot on our, on our cast. Yeah. Because so often you can get a fantastic comedian, which is a clown, but it will not deliver anything on the heart. You can get a true you know, thespian that can give you emotion, but you will never get a chuckle out of him. Right. And some, we have been so blessed with our cast that is able to find that perfect balance, you know, finding Jack Black and able to create this character, and now finding Brian Cranston who can deliver on the same level. That's, that's really, really... And J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons is, awesome is fantastic. Yeah. He also has that balance that we're talking about. He's got so much threat. He's so scary. He's so beyond what Poe can fight over, but at the same time, he's so insecure and yeah. so funny, and he's got that side of him that makes him actually a better villain because he's not one-sided. Right. Well, I love he delivers the line so perfectly where they're like, who? Who? He's I am Kai, warrior. The, and, and who? Who? And he's like, oh, I used to work with that. that the way, way he says that, it's just it's the perfect delivery of that line. He is yeah. amazing been, comedy. Too. We love that moment ourselves because first of all, is the moment we found our villain. Yeah. Because you know that's one of the new characters. You you spend some time researching. That's when we found our villain, not only because it was comedic, but because it became so much more real when you realized that there was a vulnerability behind it that yeah. justifies his villain. It shows why he wants what he wants. Right. It's not just power, it's why. Yeah. So we really we remember that scene when we first recorded it, we heard it, we put it up on screen against some rough drawings of our storyboards, and we're like, okay, we got something yeah. here. We know who that guy is. <laughs> <laughs> and you've sort of answered the question, but why is Jack Black the perfect person for Poe? And I, I, you touched on it, but tell me He's very unique yeah. in that he is so funny, but underneath the funny, he's got so much heart. Yeah. It's not somebody you laugh at. You're laughing with him and you're rooting for him. And that's very rare. Usually you have these sort of more jaded guys that are funny and you, you laugh at them as they fall on their face. No, you feel bad for this guy if he falls on his face. <laughs> and he's so warm. And I think that just leaks out of his performance and it's so what Poe is based on. Poe was crafted with Jack as the sort of model. Right. Yeah. And from the very beginning. There's undeniable charisma there too, because so often we end up, you know, we know exactly what the narrative flow of a scene should be, but we might not be 100% there with understanding what the character feel about it, but we can truly have a partner now in someone like Jack that can come in and bring it to 100% and more in that scene. And, and he has so charm, so much charm and so much charisma. It's interesting. We talk about voice casting. We talk about this. Um, I just saw an animated film last week, the name of which I won't... Well, it's called Norm of the North. Oh, okay. I was wondering about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, like have have you seen it? Do you know people no, who are no, no, It's no. awful. Oh. And, and the part of the reason is, is that the voices are so nondescript. There's just nothing. Mm-hmm. There's just nothing. Right, and so I wonder what it is that you look for when you're because you can meet someone and they're charismatic in person, they have an interesting voice, and yet, like I saw last week in this film, it can fall flat. How do you know? It's it's mainly about 
can they go there? Can yeah. they sort of lose themselves in the role, even though they're standing in front of a mic? They don't have like a whole cast around them. They don't right. have all this. Yeah, they're alone, right? They're, they're alone in a booth. Most of the time, yeah. Most of the time, we may have a we have a reader off yeah. them, so there's another actor to bounce off of. But essentially, they're alone, and yet they can trust enough to basically use their imagination and get that to that emotional truth, because really the emotional truth is most important, right. because then you care. Yeah. There's something as directors too that one we've learned a lot is that it helps to tell them this is what we need, but go for it. Right. See where you go. And then sometimes we see that the take from the exact line of our script might have been you know, is weaker than the take that they gave us with their own words or something. Yeah, they and, and it. Allowing their opening, and then sometimes they run with it and give us something completely crazy out there, and it's fantastic. You know, and all of our cast are true, really talented improvisers. You know, Jack Black, and of course, but also Brian Cranston is yeah. is fantastic. And yeah. when they give us something that is out there, you know, chances are we usually take use the takes that they give us, which is somewhat off the book. And how much do you have when you're you know? When all this is sort of said and done, I mean, you must have to have six hours of vocal, like a, oh, a vocal. More than that. I mean, Jack comes back like 20, 30 times over I think the course of the four years. Easily 60 hours worth of content. Really? Yeah, it's and then you know, each, probably more, you're right. Yeah. And each character, each actor goes through a different approach. Dustin Hoffman is someone who, maybe through the school of reading and everything, yeah. he, he loves to repeat the line, repeat the line, repeat the line, repeat the line until he finds it. So for him, we have a lot of content, yeah. sometimes for two-letter sentences. Right. He likes to two word sentences. play with it that it's, way. It's really good to watch their different approach. And, their and, different and it can change the tone of a scene. Oh, really the tone. Right. In Day fact, it's not uncommon. In fact, it's quite the norm for the actor to come in, do a session, and then we'll learn something and go, wow, that's insanely amazing. Right. And then we'll go back and rewrite things, and then we'll record the other actor, do the part that they ad-libbed, and then back and forth, and we right. have to call the original actor back and said please can we get more of that that you just ad lib because now we ad lib something with somebody else and that's one of the reasons why we have many many sessions yeah yeah <laughs> and how like putting all that together i mean you were described as the beast with two brains by your producer in this in in the press notes so you have all this stuff you've got 60 hours worth of stuff do you sit down do you listen to it together and go that's worth that work what, what how many rough edits do you have we have so many rough edits but usually we like the same takes right. because the idea of what the sequence is about what that moment is supposed to achieve is so clear on both our minds that we'll really sit there and we listen to the takes like this and we have our eyes closed and we're staring around and yeah. then we go to take two and six and then he's like saying two and six and yeah. so we're like okay and then if they're both them then whoever feels stronger whether we use two or six right but usually sometimes we need people to tell us like okay but just so you know we don't understand the words there we so go for much more for charm yeah honesty or sincerity in a take because yeah. sometimes it's like, okay the spelling is not correct you know, right. the enunciation so we have to adjust but usually we love that we love that when a moment becomes real in the character's performance and usually you can feel it you yeah. can tell it's yeah, not it's like it's that esoteric it's pretty clear which one's gonna be in and actually a few times Claire our editor Claire Knight she had to she literally had to adjust maybe find the mixing in one S so that you can understand right. the word because that right. take was so good but we can't learn to understand it so like you know our character our Mr. Ping you know James Hong you know he's a true native of China so sometimes he has an accent much like myself right. that is a little hard to understand and so sometimes she helped us making something more enunciated just because it takes we love so much the performance just adding an S sound or a T exactly. or whatever yeah. Yeah. But but usually mixing. that doesn't have to happen usually yeah. it's very clear which one's what yeah <laughs> what do you hope people take away I hope that people take away from this an encouragement that you know 
they can be scared about what their next step is. But like Poe, you just have to push through and, mm. and believe in yourself. And it's all part of growing into who you're truly meant to be. And remain childish and you know have enthusiasm toward things. You know, Poe is a rare character that is not jaded about anything. He's not really cool about yeah. anything. <laughs> no, he's, he's a goofball, cool. he's a geek, and he just loves everything passionately. And I think it's, we need more of him. That's it, that's all. I'm packing up. I'm going to go see Kung Fu Panda again at the movie theaters. I hope you'll join me. Either way, you can't hang around here. We're done here for today. My thanks to Jennifer Nelson, to Alessandro Carloni, to Paul Giamatti, but most of all, my thanks to you for coming by every Monday. We put a new show up at the beginning of each and every week, and we're always thrilled when you come by because, you know, if you didn't come by, there'd be not much point in doing this show anymore, but we're glad that you come by, and, you know, you never know. Maybe some of your favorite celebrities, musicians, whoever, will stop by for a visit. 